Hello, and welcome to Just Another Real Estate Podcast, where we'll speak with Arizona's most successful real estate professionals to better understand their business, current market conditions, team and business building strategies, successes, and challenges. This podcast is brought to you by Dwell Inspect Arizona with your host, Sean Garvey. All right, let's get into it. Uh, today on Just Another Real Estate Podcast, I have a very special guest. Well, they're all special, but a very special guest with me, um, Kevin Valley from Valley Home Group. Um, today, I want to take a little bit of time because we've had some great conversations over the years and kind of dig into your experience and your career uh, as you've been uh, developing your real estate business. So I've gone over your name, Kevin Valley, Valley Home Group. Um, tell me what got you into the business. Absolutely. Well, first, I'm a realtor. First, I'm honored <laughs> to uh, that you actually, you know, mentioned that we have years of uh, of knowing each other. You know, you're not like this just random this random guy. So at least you admitted that you've known this crazy guy for for years. Um, <laughs> I got it. Uh, I got into real estate in 2016, and because one of my really good friends at the time was um, an agent for a while, and he saw that I was just working my butt off doing uh, what was it? I was bouncing at uh, bars. I was uh, in school for personal training. I had a personal training company and I was selling um, vitamins, which is sounds as sketchy as what it really is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I was doing all those four things to, to live in, in a studio apartment. Um, and he, you know, he was getting all the new cars every, every couple months and he was living, you know, buying houses and he was just a couple years older than me. And I was, and I was striving. I had the dedication, motivation to do something and uh, monetarily, but I just loved helping people. And so that's why I stayed with personal training, the vitamins, that kind of stuff. Bouncing, not so much because I love people, just that was more so because it's good money. Um, yeah. But the, but the personal training route, you, know, you really get to help people. And so he's like, you can help people and make money doing it. Give it a try. And so um, in 2015, I started for the course. It took me about six months to get all the way through balancing everything. And then within three months, I was up and running um, after getting licensed and look, never looked back. <laughs> you, so you took all that, that passion for helping people, all that hustle, and then applied it into your business. If I remember correctly, you had a really, really good first year or first two years. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Um, back in, in 2016, I started, I started in May. And you know, the first year, um, mind you, was, you know, the average house was probably 200. 200,000. <laughs> um, I, I think I, I helped um, about 15 people in my first year. And so it equaled to be about, um, I think it was about five and a half to 6 million in volume. Wow. And, um, and then every year it's been slowly going up more and more people, um, which has been just fantastic, you know, knowing that each year people trust you more and more. <laughs> I mean, that's incredible. Cause I think, I think an average or a norm, um, and I'm, I'm just going to make a generalization so the facts aren't right, but probably most real estate agents in their first year maybe sell a house or two. Um, yeah. And then the average agent in general sells less than five houses a year. And in your first six months, you you found 15 families or 15 people to help um, acquire their, their home at $200,000, which right now would be, you know, a godsend. <laughs> I wish we could find $200,000 houses now. Yeah. Doubles or doubled or tripled from there. Yeah. Um, so that's phenomenal. So right, right then you saw pretty immediate success, but it all, it all hasn't been, you know, straight hockey, uh, hockey stick up. You've, <laughs> you've gone through ebbs and flows of motivation and, and we'll dig into that later. But um, let me circle back a little bit outside of business. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, hobbies, family, um, kind of define what makes you. Yeah. So um, married, uh, my wife uh, and I have been married for two and a half years now. Um, we got a pup, Bo a little mini Australian shepherd and yeah. um, we love to rock climb and hike and um, all the activities. But I think what you find most about us and you'll, uh, everyone that knows me knows that I'm always inviting people over to play games. So all my friends uh, in the group, in the circle group and all my clients, they, uh, they all know board games and card games are where the fun's at. And usually I can't tell you how many, of my past clients that I never knew before they started working with me have become great friends and that are now on like a 
weekly, monthly, or quarterly schedule with me playing board games and, and card games. So awesome. That's <laughs> that's one thing to know about me. If you're if you're playing board games or card games, you have to send an invite to me so I can learn learn something new. And uh, I I love love that community, that fellowship time, and then just getting, getting together with people and strategizing and using your brain is is always fun. So using your home or bringing bringing people into a sphere of influence to develop a community. What's your favorite card game and and um, board game that you like or rotate towards? That, yeah, so there's a game called Joker, and okay. um, a friend of mine who's a bigger game buff than I am um, introduced me to both of my new favorite games. But uh, Joker, which is like sorry, but um, I guess more of a grown up version of it, and then um, it's going to be between Monopoly Deal and a game called Minion. And both of those games are good, but Monopoly deal, it's not what you think. It's only 10 minute rounds and it's just, it's fun little card game. Fun. <laughs> yeah. So you're not sitting there for hours? No, no. It's, if I remember you know, you get... correctly, Monopoly is about the acquisition and sale of real estate. <laughs> so it kind of fits the image. <laughs> you, can, you can already believe that I charge the most rent at the table, uh, except my <laughs> wife sometimes. And, uh, and and get the get all the properties I can. <laughs> <laughs> You've changed all the bucks with your face and your, your information on there. <laughs> yep, they're kept they're kept bucks now. Kept bucks. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. I appreciate that you do that. Um, so let's dig dig into your career. It's a decent segue into that. Um, so you told the story of how you became a realtor. Um, was there a moment where you realized that this was the path for me? Like you know, you get your first couple deals or where is it before you even got your deal or, or something like that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I, I think it really started clicking, you know, about six to eight months in, um, about six months in, I had already started, um, having several friends that wanted to join in, in the industry and they started coming through the real, real estate school at the brokerage that I was at. And, um, seeing that I could share that passion with them. Some of them were even past clients of mine um, already. And they wanted, they, you know, it was either an insult or, or a compliment. They're like, Hey, this guy can do it. I definitely can. Or I had a great experience. I want to provide that experience to you. I'm going to go with the second one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I had a great experience. So I want to provide that experience to others. And so they, um, when I realized that I could help as many people as I could and found out that home ownership was the single most expensive thing that most people do in their life. And it puts a roof over their head. It allows memories to be created. It should bring joy to people um, for years to come. It really was a um, a light switch in my head. Like this is this is what I'm going to do. And and people ask me all the time, you know, what what are you going to do when you, you know, are you going to retire? Do you see yourself anywhere else? And I always tell people, I will be in real estate for the rest of my life. I won't be selling houses for the rest of my life, but I will be serving people in real estate for the rest of my life. Nice, nice. And then what are some um helpful resources that you've used or that have come your way um, as you've been growing and taking your path through um, becoming a better and more successful agent? One of the resources is, uh, is called Sean Garvey. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, As far as uh, resources, do you mean like platforms? Do you mean uh, lead generation? Do you uh, what 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 do you mean by resources? More specifically, things you've drawn from to to create experiences to make you better to be a better agent. Um, you know, do you have a coach or have you um, read books, anything like that? Yes. Um, so all of the above. I have a coach, um, several mentors. Um, love reading books. Uh, I set a goal last year to read. Um, I, I set a really audacious goal to read a book a week, which I, if anyone knows me, I'm not a reader. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, at least I, I'm not a fast reader. I love reading, but I'm not a fast one. And so I, I ended up with about two a month. And so that's, I've been keeping that now steady um, for the last year and a half. I've been doing two books a month. And I absolutely just, I think the, you don't need to have a, a person in front of you or someone to call on the phone as a mentor or as, as someone to almost coach you along what Uh these people have written down um, through, you know, decades and decades of experience and through much success and much failure um, can teach you all that you need to know. Now having someone to to have a conversation with and that you trust and rely on and respect is very important, but the amount of knowledge you can get from books to help you along your career and 
be a better person <laughs> is um, for sure is great. So yeah, I mean, you can see just some of my some of the books behind me. Those are just some of the some of the favorites. But um, even close, you know, I have an entire armoire downstairs, and then now everything is digital. I mean, it's not like I'm an old man. Now everything is all digital. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Audible library is is stacked. I mean, that's, that's cool insight too. I, I picked up on something that you said that that's really important. And I've, I've noticed as well, like in, there is a difference between a mentor relationship because you have somebody that, that has a three-dimensional conversation with you, but you can learn so much from books and podcasts and you don't, you can have these mentors um, or guidance uh, coaches that you've never even met and that don't even know you, but they're in these little earbud things. Um, and and you can hear their voice and form those pathways. Um, so you talked about having a coach and, and some mentors. Who are some of your coaches? Um, and then how did you kind of develop that mentorship relationship with them or mentee relationship with them? Yeah. So, oh man, I've throughout my throughout my career so far, um, there's been so many people that have that have impacted me. And you know, I'm I wouldn't be the man that I am today, and I'm not the man that I'm supposed to be yet without the relationships that I, that I've created. And so like, as far as mentors, I mean, just right when I first started, you know, you, you jumped into my life, probably what, about four or five months of me being in the business. And I yeah, clung I to so. your, clung to your hip ever since. And yeah. then, uh, <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, the, the jurors family really, really helped me a ton. They're the ones that got me started in this business. Yeah. Um, Brian North just was phenomenal impact in my life. Just all over well-rounded made me made me think deep um i don't forget some people but then you know now um az uh the founder of the brokerage i'm at now he's he's uh -huh. just in the short amount of time that i've known him he's poured so much into into my life just about the motivation that i that i need to the motivation to have the things that, that need to be done and strategies on how to do them to help grow my family how to be the man of my household and the leader that not only my wife looks for, but also in the industry that I'm in and uh -huh. all the things that I'm already equipped with and that I desire to do just now practical applications and doing, doing the work that needs to get done to do it. And so it's been, um, that's a short list of the people in, in there. And then, um, you know, I think every, every so often with, uh, with hard times and with good times and with decisions that I'm weighing out, your, your, your phone always rings. And so um, I think yeah. every time we talk, it's at least a 45 minute to an hour conversation about, um, about life and different directions and you pose really good questions. And so I think the the men that I've surrounded myself with throughout my real estate career, but also just in my life really helped form me to where I am right now. That's amazing. That's good insight. Um, I picked up on something in there um, <clears throat> that four of your mentors, three of your mentors, um, have been um, the heads of your brokerages or founders of the brokerages that you've worked for, um, worked with, I should say, not necessarily for. Um, when you're searching for real estate brokerages and offices you want to align yourself, what, what are you looking for, um, you know, at that moment in your career? Because um, I think that's yeah. an important question for a lot of people getting out into the business because um, real estate, um, in all facets has a pretty high level of failure. Um, mm -hmm. And if you want to be successful, um, you got to find the right path and the right people to guide you along the way. Yeah, Sean, I think, I think success leaves clues, right? And yeah. when you're, when you are in an environment that fosters growth and that allows, um, that provides the, the value for you to grow and to, to provide value for your, for your clients, um, it's it's almost too easy um, because you. But when you when you when you're in a place that you're just kind of there because you were told you were there, or you were there because of your splits, or you were there because of, I mean, fill in the blank, right? You don't really have like a passion to be there. You're just there because that's where right. you were told, or it's the very first place that you went, and you don't know what it looked like anywhere else, right? So. Um, for me, when I, what I look for um, within a brokerage is mentorship um, and the and and successful people. So, and I don't measure success just on like closings or 
on the monetary aspect, like who who's thriving in their life and what are they doing? Because I think success does lead those clues. And when you can surround yourself in that environment, I never want to be, and I, and I never will be the best person in the room, right? Like I, I don't, I don't ever want to be like the smartest person or the wealthiest person or the, you know, whatever it is by accolades in the room. I'm always trying to be right there at the bottom and learn from those that are, that are doing things better than me. And so um, I choose strategically um, who to surround myself with. And um, that, that leads for an interesting conversation. That's probably not too long for this because when you start, when you start cutting people out of your life um, Mm. because, and, and making room for more people, like I said, success leaves clues, but also failure holds on to you and space in your calendar and, and lack of uh, direction really can cause harm. So when you focus on putting the right people in your life, it really helps. So when I, when I look at brokerages, I don't really pay attention too much to, to splits, to um, systems or anything they offer. It's really about mentorship and um, where can I grow the most and grow the deepest relationships. Interesting. Um, how do you know when it's time to leave a brokerage then in the same respect or sorry it's, instead of being negative time to find a new one um, yeah because no, i because i understand that when it's when you leave there's there's barriers to exit right if you have um houses on the market uh or things in escrow there's basically never a good time to leave but um uh, as a as a home inspector watching the outskirts of markets and managing our cm crm i see people changing brokerages fairly often so yeah you know it, it's it's got to be a tough decision but something has to drive you out or in right yeah um or maybe both every, sometimes i think um success draws you in and yeah. fear makes you run away and i think there's a has to be a little bit of a mixture of both like some something negative or something that you don't feel fulfilled with and then filled with something that you know could be better out there. And when you get those two together, it takes a lot. For me personally, I don't recommend people just be like, all right, I'm just gonna keep on jumping for the next opportunity because that's not necessarily what it's about. You should try to stay, if you're, if you're getting value, you're growing relationships, you're providing value um, to your, your environment, then stay as long as you continue to do that. But the moment when you feel like you're, and, and not the moment you feel, the moment, you feel it, you start analyzing it and you start getting into the, the actual asking yourself questions, writing them down, pros and cons, talking to mentors and friends, like figuring out what is the, the best route for you. But the moment you start feeling that you're no longer valued, you're no longer getting value and that there may be something else out there for you is the time you should start analyzing what, what are my pros and cons? What will happen? What, what's the outcome of, of me changing um, to a different brokerage? What other brokerage out there? Um, and so I like, like I said, I don't recommend hopping around, but I also don't recommend staying somewhere that you aren't valued, you're not getting value. Um, and one thing in our, in our current culture and environment and our industry is like, there's a lot of places that are going to continue to say, you know, we're going to provide value and this, this, and this, and it's all like systems and um, CRMs and all, and all these like kind of, in the box, cheap little fixes, like uh, something that brokerage that they get sold as a brokerage owner or something. And that's not, you know, you have to determine what, what the value is to you is value in systems and bells and whistles, or is it in the people you surround yourself with? And that's, I think that's a question that you need to find out yourself because it may be bells and whistles. Like, Hey, I don't have to pay for a CRM anymore because XYZ Realty provides it for me. And I don't have to, you know, I, I don't have to buy my own planner because they give me a planner. I don't have, you know, those, those little things um, you, you have to understand how often is that broker meeting with the, with the people? How often are you getting time to meet, meet with the other successful agents? How do they give you an opportunity to coach or teach other agents? If you're being successful, do they give you an opportunity to learn from more successful agents. And, you know, like those are all like questions that you can kind of ask, like how open sourced is this brokerage? Do, are they, going to share information the successful people are going to are they going to share with us how they become successful and so those, that's what i'm looking for that was a very long-winded answer but no but it's a good answer and you have some keys in there because the bells and whistles don't really matter if you don't have the motivation to use them 
Um, mm -hmm. So like, what's the point? So it sounds like to me, um, you've drawn out your experiences in an environment and then it's time to kind of find a new one and learn a different way to look at things. Uh, it also sounds to me like you're, you're not afraid to take that leap um, and you're not necessarily unwilling to lose, you know, some short-term monetary loss because you feel the vision of, of growth is beyond that. Right. Is that, and it seems, yeah. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it's definitely a big uh, feat to, to, to switch because you have, you know, signs and cards and marketing and all your platforms and your websites and uh, just enough stuff to make you go crazy in your head that you have to switch sure. things. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, uh, you have to, you have to sacrifice for a little bit, your, your sanity or your, uh, you know, a little bit of monetary, um, growth, knowing that the season that you're in is a season of growth already. And you're just planting the seeds for the upcoming harvest. And so like right then and there, you may be noticing that you're hitting your head against the wall, it's changing over all your systems. But when you find someone that provides you value, you're going to end up growing, um, uh, growing a lot. Eventually. Yeah. Good. That's amazing. Let's see. Um, let's talk about some of the, the hot button topics right now. So um, <laughs> given the current market conditions, which we all know are, are uh, interesting to say the least right now. Um, That's what I use. And they have been for probably the last two years or three years. Um, how are you advising your clients and helping them to win right now? Um, yeah, great question. They, uh, it's funny. People still ask me like, Oh, is the market still crazy? I'm like, it absolutely is just, just a different type of crazy. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I, I love that question. Like, how's the market doing? And like, it's crazy as ever. Oh, our house yeah. is still, you know, our house is still appreciating like crazy. Nope. And different type of crazy, you know? And so, yeah. um, the way that I, what I'm doing to advise clients and, and it's very, very different for sellers and buyers. And this, in this market we're in right now, um, you really are, I feel like the advice you give the client depends so much on their personal needs and mm -hmm. what they desire and what their goals are. Because if people are asking me if they're going to buy something and they're going to sell it in a year or two, it might not be the best time to buy right now. But if they're yeah. saying, I, I have a five to 10 year plan in this house and it's going to meet my needs for a long time, like strike while the iron's hot right now is going to be a great time because there's a lot of uncertainty and the rates and all this kind of stuff. So um, this, this podcast will be outdated next week with all the sure. things that, you know, if I go into specifics, but the, the biggest thing that I, that I do to help with my clients on the buy side is help strategize ways for them to win and keep as much capital in their pocket. And mm -hmm. during the last two and a half years, it was really hard to do that because the, you know, you had to offer, you know, your firstborn child to get a house. And <laughs> you had to go a hundred thousand over asking all this crazy stuff. And so it's hard to keep capital in, in people's pockets when they had to win in the market. Now we're in such a, a sweet spot where buyers have an opportunity to, um, to win, uh, and get a house they love with the upgrades they want that will meet their needs. They can grow their family and all that kind of stuff. So trying to keep capital in, in my client's pocket is like the number one strategy I, I work on. And I, I, I work with them about and when when i represent a seller it's how to net the most and have good negotiations with that with that buyer so you know it's not all about the list price or it's not all about agent commission it's all you know there's all these different buckets that people worry about it's really you know how you can negotiate a solid contract and the, the marketing you need to do to get the right buyers in that house so you can have good negotiations and you can have solid terms um, when you're selling your house yeah, because six months sense? ago, yeah, it does. It does. Okay. Um, I mean, six months ago to be a listing agent, you didn't have to do much marketing. You just had to put, you sometimes you didn't even have to put a sign in the ground. Um, yeah. And you had you had people lining out. There was somehow a whisper that, that the house is going to be for sale and you already had six offers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and that's quickly changed, um, you know, in the last, I don't know, three, four months or so. Uh, by the time this yep. is out, maybe five months. Um, and and the strategies have changed. So almost, if you have a long-term plan, it seems like it's a better time to be a buyer um, as long as you're comfortable with maybe writing the price down a little bit or even a yeah. lot, who knows? Um, yeah. 
before it's all said and done. Um, Navo said too, you know, interest rates are higher now, but they they will come back down eventually. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you buy now, there's creativity and incentives for people to buy. Agents are using um, what are they mortgage point mortgage rate buybacks yeah. or the seller? Yeah. Um, so there's there's like two one two one buybacks or buy downs. There's um, yeah concessions which is an unknown word for most people that just got into the business oh yeah, yeah. concession there's concessions being offered for sometimes we help with that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah you, your 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 industry helps us the most you you're the yeah. one that gets us the concessions um <laughs> but yeah i think and to your point interest rates are going to go down in the future but before they go down they're going to get they're going to go up um, yeah. especially after the reports that just came out Yep. They're gonna they're gonna go up when the Fed's meet at the end of the month, almost almost without a doubt. Now, could be wrong. I'm not a fortune teller, but when the rates when the rates go up, then people are gonna get put in a really tough spot because now yep. their monthly cost is gonna go even even further. Now, and the price cannot drop low enough of the houses that we have in this in our valley. The prices can't go low enough to offset the way the rates are going up. So, like right now, we're in that sweet spot where. Yes, rates have gone up. They're not as high as they're going to be, but also housing prices because of the uncertainty. We're starting to see, you know, like the median house price just went down ten thousand dollars from June to to July. And so wow. you're so we were at four sixty nine. Now we're at four fifty nine. And so you know, like we're things, but in order to accommodate just today's rate, they have to be down like the four tens, four fifteen. I don't see that happening. You know, do you, yeah. do, do you? <laughs> no, not for a little bit. I mean, not until this shakes out, but you know, w- once that happens, there's, you know, you could refi, isn't it? Like every six months or every, every year or something like that. I mean, so as the, <laughs> as the rates start coming down, you can keep refiing and, and your refi mortgage person will love you for that. They'll keep getting paid. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> I could give you the answer, but my, but my loan officer might not be happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You can you can refi whenever you'd like, um, as as often as you'd like. But you are you do have to pay you know fees and points. But yeah, yeah. you're you can refi as as much as you'd like, and it's a great opportunity to buy something now, and then in two or three years, you can refinance and you get a lower payment. Your house yep. now has equity, and you're 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 in a good spot. Yeah, that's interesting. What I what I as a home inspector um, watching the market and the craziness last couple of years, um, you know, people were getting in um, to houses where they were so frantic to buy a house. They were getting in over their head with repairs and responsibilities that they really um, didn't know enough about because they had to make so many quick decisions. You know, the, they had to go way over asking just to get the contract. And then they had to, um, you know, have the inspection in two or three days. And then, you mentioned earlier concessions um concessions didn't exist uh and so you know people kept saying i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait um and maybe that was a smart move i mean the price has gone up but they're gonna get a end up getting a better house uh, potentially a better house i mean you read articles about people that were buying in san francisco and a whole wall is full of mold and because but they waived all inspections and everything and, and it ends up costing them you know i don't know 150 200 to fix it um and so, um, and we even got into an environment where people were completely waiving inspections and appraisals, right? And and just yeah. going in all cash, heavy offers, and and buying, you know, four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollar house, and never even setting foot in it. So yeah, I think that's, buyer's... that's in. Yeah, go oh. ahead. I was going to say that's in. I think that's like indicative to the the environment that we're in right now, and and the way that we know the housing. Um, situation is going to go as crazy because we still have a high percentage of, of buyers that are buying with cash. And back in yeah. the, I think it's around 30% of, of purchases happening over the last year have been cash purchases. And back when the crash happened, less than 10%, they were all high leverage. So right now, yeah. houses aren't being leveraged as much. And, uh, you know, a lot of the loans aren't, there, people have more cash on, on hand right now. Um, but to your point, people buying all these houses last year and, and over the last couple of years, their, their secondary homes, their investment properties, a lot. I mean, there's 36, 36% of the houses that are on the market as of yesterday are vacant homes and they've been, and or they've been bought in the last 18 months. And so 36, 36% of our inventory right now are sellers or homeowners, I should say, 
that bought the house and they didn't really need the house. They wanted the house. They had plans for the house, but now they can sell it and they'll still make a profit, right? They're going to make, maybe instead of the 19% profit they're hoping for, now they're going to make 15 or 14, you know, which is still phenomenal for 18 months of ownership and anything. Um, But that's, it's a really interesting time that we're in because we we're seeing all these signs, but yet when we look at the data, there also shows the, how pumped up and authentic the market was from a cash perspective and leverage perspective. But then we're seeing these, these declining numbers of demand um, and increasing supply. And so we're like, oh, crud, history's going to repeat itself. And history does. But I think we learned enough from it before to where now things aren't as leveraged as they used to be. So it's going to be mm-hmm. a very interesting time. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm quite excited to see what, what goes on um, over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, because sure. I know there's going to be great opportunity for for several people that that need the opportunity, and so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to open up a lot of um, buyers that got disenfranchised with the process and decided to mm-hmm. rent for another year or two because um, that was happening like crazy. Oh, um, tons. So that's uh that is a core right. Like how how do you um how do you build successful relationships? So um, how do you lock in with those clients that that maybe you were working with a year ago um, but you haven't seen them for a year because they said you know enough of this madness um and now now this is your opportunity to reach back out to them and say hey things might be turning um you know people are instead of 50 people at an open house there's two um you know <laughs> you want to fire up the car and start go looking at houses or <laughs> yeah no that's a good question i think if you haven't talked to someone in a year you probably already lost them. Um, oh, in my in my perspective um, and my personal experience is if you're not staying in relationship with people, then they might they're probably not going to use you because people like to work with those that they like, like and trust, right? Um, and so if they haven't heard from you except for, you know, that one time you were talking about houses a year ago, then they're not really going to like you or probably trust you unless you built up a good brand recognition and then they may have some trust, but that the relationship isn't there yet. So the key word that I heard from you is like, how do you keep the relationship going from yeah. someone I was looking at a year ago? And the, the way to keep a relationship going is communication, right? Like the way that you and I have stayed in a relationship over the last you know five and a half years is through communication. It's not, we don't yep. talk every day, but we, we talk probably at least once a quarter, sometimes yeah. it's more frequent than, than not. And yep. um, so I think that's that right there. The way that we keep our friendship is the same way you keep a relationship with with a client, because if your goal is to ultimately serve them and help them, then you have to stay in touch with with them so you understand their needs and, and how things are changing with them. Because someone may tell you they're they're going to be looking next year, but then six months down the road, they're like, "Oh crud, things changed. I'm really you know, something happened, and I'm able to to make a move sooner, so I'm gonna start looking." And you don't you have it in your calendar. All right, talk to buyer. 12 months from now it's like you know it don't it's not it's not a buyer it's carl who's looking six months from now or a year yeah. from now and you want to, and you're going to stay in a relationship with them carl's a fake name well there are pe- carls but there are people uh, in trouble. <laughs> not, not, not using not using that as an example but um <laughs> you know it's just you, you stay in a relationship with people you don't you don't just wait till they're they say they're ready to buy again and then you call them or email them or you know poach them on social media you you stay in a relationship with them and then they then they continue to respect you. They learn to like you, and they and they trust you as a as a professional in the industry. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing I've always watched when I watch you work. You've never been afraid to do is pick up the phone and say hi, um, even to strangers. I uh, I remember seeing you uh, navigate through a, a cold calling system. Um, you were at one point, weren't you dialing like three people at a time? They'd pick up and <laughs> hit them with a script and and. I mean, that, that's the hustle that gets you started, right? Um, for sure, oh, yeah. gets you momentum and, and gets you those first clients, which, you know, once you, maybe you get your real estate license and you sell to your sister and your brother and your aunt, and then all of a sudden you're <laughs> out of clients. You got you to gotta find more, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, how, yeah, go ahead. A quick, I mean, going into the dialing, just a quick, you know, insert and times, times changed, but now times are going back to like they were in 2017, 2016. Sure. And, you know, I didn't have any, like my, my dad was the only family I had out here in Arizona and he, he's lived in the same house since, I mean, I was 12 years old. So he's, he's not buying or selling with me. 
Um, so everything, <laughs> everything had to, and then I got in when I was 20, 22, I think. So none of my friends were, you know, buying and, you know, at that, at that time. Um, and so the way that I, that I built my business was cold calling, door knocking, open houses, at open houses, cold calling, going to door knock before and after the open houses. And so like all of those things together built really strong foundation. And for years I used the open house and calling method. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it was a triple line dialer and you know, you, you get someone on the phone and you're talking to them. If, they, if another person answers the phone while you're on the phone with the, you know, one of the, one of the people, then there's a voicemail that gets dropped and it says, I'll call you right back. And then you call them back right after your phone call and just a, a cycle. And I think that grit, that determination, that effort is needed in this market. Now, an old, old dog like, like me, I need to get back into that because as sure. of recently, over the last you know four years, three years, um, I've been beyond blessed with, with clients that already know, like, and trust me. And they, they refer me out to their friends and family. And, um, you know, then I, I have other platforms that do lead generation for me, but, um, ultimately, you know, a lot of the people I work with are referrals from past clients or people in my sphere already. Well, that's an evolution of your business. Um, but the things that you mentioned that, got you to start the business that's hard stuff uh, i mean sitting oh, at an open house isn't that hard but sitting in um at least from my perception right like people come to you <laughs> and you, you turn around but you were going out and getting people you were getting on the phone and getting rejected constantly um i would have to imagine maybe you didn't um you had to develop stress uh, scripts you probably had some real thick skin and and it's hard um after a while from somebody says, don't call me again. You know, maybe you got mm. 10 of those and you picked up the phone for the 11th time and, and kept calling um, and finding clients and and your business has evolved um, and your sphere of influence has evolved where you're able to maybe get away from some of that. But, um, you know, in the wild, wild west that we just had for the last three <laughs> years, um, it was easy to get um, complacent with marketing, um, I yeah. think. What, uh, what are some other techniques that you do or now plan to do to acquire clients um other yeah. than the normal stuff yeah so currently um currently i i so i was i was i was born and then moved away but raised mostly in glendale arizona and for uh -huh. the first half of my of my career i was tracing down the you know the sexy zip codes and the over high price point areas and i was still serving everybody everywhere but i was focusing on a5254 a5260 and um you know troon and um place a place you can't talk about now is troon but anyways you know and then uh south scottsdale and you know all these areas that are very desirable um and it really i click about a year ago um eh, six to eight months ago that i I was raised in Glendale. I live in Glendale. I'm an Arrowhead Ranch. Why would I sit there and try to go somewhere miles and miles away? Although I know the area very well because my offices were over there. I've worked, you know, worked there for years. Why would I try to go all the way over there for business when I have people in my neighborhood that, that need me? You know, and uh -huh. they, they do. They need me. I see houses all the time that are on the market that aren't selling right now. And it's because they didn't list with me. No, that's kind of a joke, but it's, <laughs> it's true. You know, like they, they, all these people, all these clients that, that are potential clients that live in my neighborhood they may not know me if i don't focus on them so i started um started sending out postcards um start to think of uh, different events to do um in the neighborhood and really focus on on my area and just serve those people that live close to me that are probably you know some people that i relate with well um and so it that's that's one of the big things that i've been focusing on um my wife being in the social media management and, you know, marketing and advertising, she's doing a lot for, for social media um, for us. And then um, pick up the phones with past clients and, and referrals is, is another thing. So those three things are kind of driving my business right now. Yeah. Sounds like uh, focusing in the Glendale area has been, been big for you. Um, yes. Yeah, that's good. What uh, you did mention social media. Um, and, and I think social media is used well um, in the real estate industry or, or heavily used in the real estate industry. Um, 
What's your favorite platform in social media currently? My favorite platform is Instagram. Yeah. The one that I, the one that I use, um, and that's, I think that's the one. TikTok and Instagram are growing. And eight months ago, you would not have heard me talk about TikTok, but my coach, my coach made me get a TikTok about three months ago, and um, get on a routine schedule with making videos and things of that nature. And um, there's some really serious potential with Instagram and TikTok. Um, Facebook and LinkedIn are still like good resources but not something that i really spend too much time on um, yeah. but yeah instagram and and instagram and tiktok are growing like crazy but when you're when you're on that um it's easy to get trapped in the path of just scrolling through what are you what are you doing when you're on social media like what's your strategy through there i'm blowing my wife up with videos of yeah. uh, trending sounds um and then we meet once a week and we go um, so I just, I watch reels of other successful real estate agents okay. or cool. uh, trend or I look for trending sounds or trending effects. And then I will, um, send them over to her and then we'll meet and we'll come up with ideas of what videos to make. Um, and then we'll start, and then we'll make videos that have that sound in the background that are the trend that's going on right there. And then from that, um, I try to create value in the videos that I, that I put out because the day of asking for people's business without providing anything are well beyond gone um, sure. providing as much value and free insight as you possibly can for people is um, what attracts them to you if you can be a resource for someone in Wichita and they somehow you know they found out they have family that's moving to Arizona they're like hey I saw this guy on Instagram and I think he works in Arizona. He always talks about it. You know, yeah. you should check him out. And then you get you get a DM saying, "Hey, I'm coming into town. Are you interested?" Some of my my best clients, my favorite people, um, came from came from the the C word that we're not allowed to talk about here in Arizona. Um, <laughs> uh, came came from California. They found me on Instagram, yeah. and they have um, not only did they they buy a house here, their sister bought a house. And um, three of their friends they referred me to, and their friends are starting to refer me, and their friends are starting. To wow! Me. And so, just from Instagram, just from that was a source that just keeps on keeps on giving. And all I do is not even regularly as as regular as I should, just provide value for people, give them updates, um, give them something to laugh at. Sometimes, sometimes that is value, right? Giving yeah. someone just something to to laugh about and get their you know get them kind of away from the stress of the day. Um, can be valued, but I I do try to focus on real estate value for people. Interesting. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. Have you ever developed a lead directly? And the answer sounds like it's a resounding yes. But yes. it's also, I mean, there's marketing or there's lead acquisition and then there's branding, right? Like it's it's also a way of reaching out to people in your sphere that maybe you talked with six months ago um, mm -hmm. that you haven't circled back around with because <clears> you've been busy because <laughs> um, <laughs> the market was busy uh, yeah and maybe they dropped off but now they still remember that you exist um i think it's huge if so you're not if you're not doing videos right now you're gonna be left behind and like yeah. adding every single person you meet at open houses or anything if you're not adding people to your sphere on your social media platform and then you're not posting regularly you're gonna you're, you're gonna be left behind so you're saying that tiktok is not just dances <laughs> I mean, all I do on there is dance, but I don't oh, know. Oh, is that right? I, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there is some very insightful information on TikTok. I have several friends that have great TikTok channels. So, uh, I don't know if that's the right term to use. I don't that are just, yeah, um, that, are, that are just doing great, providing financial information, loan, inform um, like loan information, and what's happening in the lending world, real estate information fun tips and tricks. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff on there. And I, personally, I don't scroll through TikTok. I mean, I, th I like, I think I follow like six people um, yeah. <laughs> and all, and five of the six are going to be people that like are tell you the trends that are coming up. And sure. so um, I don't scroll it, but I, but I utilize it and I make videos on it. Um, and so Instagram is probably by far the one that I utilize the most as far as interacting with people. Um, but TikTok is supposed to be something that's really growing. I just, 
haven't made the 100% leap. I post to it, but I don't check it, if that makes sense. Here's my realization on TikTok. Um, we have a virtual assistant who's based in the um, Philippines that, that works with us. Um, and, you know, you're going through the, the specific interview questions and you get to the one where, you know, it's pretty standard interview question. If you're, if you're presented with a question that you don't know the answer to, um, what do you do? Um, and what are your resources? And um, in a batch of like five people, um, all five of them said they go to TikTok for answers. Wow. And I, my mind was just blown because there's a segment of, I don't even know if I remember what it's called, like TikTok U or TikTok Learn or something like that. Um, and it wow. used to be YouTube. The answer used to be YouTube or Google. And now they all went, to, they all go to TikTok. Um, wow. So that's you powerful. powerful. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I don't specifically know what it is, but but I do know it's important. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. I, I did not know that. That's really, um, that's good to know that people choose to go on um, TikTok to learn. These are, there's yeah. so much helpful, so many helpful, helpful things on there. And so that, but I had no idea that people used to use the, the term, you know, or still do use the term Googling even whenever they search. Imagine yeah. 10, 15 years from now, people are going to be like, I'm going to go TikTok, TikTok that, you know. <laughs> that, that's what they said. Um, wow. Let's shift gears real quick because um, I want to be respectful of your time. And let's ask, I got to bring back to a couple um, home, home inspector questions too. Yes. Um, so as a buyer's agent, which you've represented a lot of buyers, um, what do you like the most and what do you like the least about home inspector, inspectors or inspections? Well, the last, it's been five years since I've used any other inspector. I think almost consistently. I don't think I've had a single buyer that hasn't used y'all and not because i i forced them to it's completely their opinion but a lot of people rely on us as agents to provide them with professionals that we trust um and so one thing i can't stand about inspections though and i know you said as a buyer's agent uh, the only way yeah. i can really relate to is from listing and seeing inspection reports from other from other inspectors it's the only experience i have from other inspectors i'm not saying that to, sure. to blow smoke <laughs> you know I, I'm, I'm loyal i promise sean um, <laughs> no, the, the one thing I, I think is um, hard is when you see an inspection report that has almost no pictures, there's absolutely no videos, and it's all mm -hmm. just words, and um, the um, lack of information that provides that buyer um, puts them in a disadvantage and, cause, and could and most, mostly causes fear and discomfort, and so they end up backing out or... Um, not going through with with that home purchase because they didn't have an inspector that was there walking them through the um, the ins and outs of what what they found in the property whether it's major or minor um, you know it's a, it's up to the client to to tell or to say what whether it's major or minor right sure um, yeah. <laughs> but, but they, a lot of the times that I see from on the list side with inspection reports is they the inspector never spent that time with them you know they're in and out quickly um they don't have a system put together to um to guide the the buyer through the process and what i like most you said like it most and dislike the most right yeah yep or, so and what i like most like the system that, that you have where there's videos of every single room of, of everywhere on the house gives them a great great walkthrough but then you're your team and your, your company, they're, they're there for, for questions to be answered nonstop. And so clients month down the road can call you guys up and ask you, Hey, I found that, you know, I just saw this was, did you guys find it? Or I had a question about when you mentioned this part, I'm about to fix it. Sure. What can you walk me through it? And you guys, not, instead of saying, Oh, I don't know. That was a long time ago. You, you go through that inspection report you get back to them. Most of the time it's you personally, or people or the inspector that did the property, which yeah. is really rare. It's not just someone in back of the house, you know, doing something or in the back office. And so um, I think that is extremely powerful in the way that you guys walk through the house with clients. I have such a low uh, fallout rate because with my buyers and most of the time, as we know, like I think it's 80 something percent of contracts that fail, fail within the first 10 days. And yeah. it's because that's your due diligence period. And right. so you 
you and your team have made it to where my success is higher because the way that you walk the clients through the process, you show them the home and uh, you stay there for sometimes hours to answer their questions. Um, and so sorry to tell people that you give hours of your time out for an inspection. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank so you. That, I think that's, right. that's what I, and I only know, you know, I had a couple of inspectors prior, but it's been so long that I it wouldn't be fair for me to try to pull from my memory for that. But um, I can just speak on what I see now on the list side and the inspections coming in and then what, what you do to provide for the buyers that we have. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you for the kind compliments. And, and then you linked basically the next question was as a listing agent, most and, and least about that. So you, you kind of just couple them all. Um, I promise I didn't read the answers or the question. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some things that you've learned about houses working with home inspectors though? I mean, I'm a full, full blown contract now because of you guys. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I've learned, I've learned countless, um, countless items to, to pick up. And like a lot of the, a lot of what I do now when I talk with clients and we're walking through houses is I have been to enough of the inspection reports and the wrap ups with you guys that I know kind of what's pointed out and I don't take on your role and I don't step outside of my scope of, of expertise. But I'm able to say, like, you know what, that might be something that is called out in, in the inspection report. And not saying it's an issue or anything, but that could be called out and that could be called out. And this is something that you could be looking for. And um, I mean, AC, uh, you've helped me read the dates of, of AC mo uh, models and to know the difference and where, where to find the, the date when it was manufactured. And that, that comes in handy. And although I, you know, you, you preface it with that blanket statement, Hey, I, this could be the year. However, I'm not a home inspector. So when they inspect the house, they'll tell sure. you, um, but just knowing, you know, ages of when things start to go out and when they quit working, when things should be probably repaired and replaced, um, ways that things should function. You guys don't just tell people what's wrong. You also on most instances can show them how it's done right and, and what, what the fix could be. And so, um, all those things have been so valuable that, I mean, I use them. I can't, I can't tell you just one thing that you, that I've learned from, um, the home inspection process. That's amazing. Um, that, that really makes me smile because, because I've been, you know, for like the last six to eight months, I've been thinking about concepts of, um, coaching and education, um, for real estate agents, because I think if if you can start setting expectations um, while you're touring a client through the house of things that could possibly come up in the inspection report, um, when they finally get that document and have that opportunity to review the house with the inspector, it'll be less of a knee-jerk reaction. It'll be more like a, hey, I kind of already expected all that instead of like a, wow, this house is um, in rough shape, you know? And that yeah. way you're you're going in mostly or partially educated entering into that contract and you're assuring better success on the back end of it now we may discover some stuff up the attic or you know some a torn roof or something that that you may not have been able to point out but i think it's powerful that you're utilizing that experience to to better your clients and their experience and make stronger well, offers you just brought up the attic one thing that's huge here in arizona is like the the shingled roof you know the two layers and the third one would yeah. have to be you know, fully yep. replaced like that's something newer agents or, or any agents out there that don't that doesn't know that it's extremely powerful because adding a second layer of shingles on a on a roof is fairly inexpensive in, yeah. in the grand scheme of things but having to tear everything off and redo it is an expensive one so when when someone says all oh, the age of the roof is going bad okay well is it on its first layer or second layer and like having that type of knowledge is so impactful and you brought up a really good um you're posing really good thoughts that you're wanting to create a bigger impact and creating education yeah. and knowledge people and my biggest what i always tell every single buyer and seller is that my goal is to create an educated buyer and educated seller because i yep. believe that makes um, that makes a strong market right that that's what makes a good market to be in is when you have educated sellers and educated buyers and then one step further within your realm is if you have educated professionals in the industry educated agents about the process think about how much value they bring to their buyers and and sellers when they can walk through and say hey you probably want to fix that because it will you know it will get called out and you know this is this is what i see in inspection 
reports that really call that cause the most fear or cause concern. Sure. So you should, so you should fix it it before, you know, and get ahead of that. Um, Don't put a bandaid on it, but actually fix it because the bandaid will be found. Um, And so uh, (laughs) you're like, do it, keep doing band-aids. And you're, I mean, you're, if you could provide a clean inspection report where there's nothing wrong in the house, I'm sure you guys would absolutely love that. But unfortunately, sure. a lot of house, every house has something wrong with it that you guys get to really pride yourself in finding, you know, and you, you all do a, a fantastic job of finding every little thing. So the, the information you can provide to agents would be phenomenal. I would, I still don't know everything. So I would, I would, you can count me in on that. Me neither. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, if you look at the, the optics of the, the relationship between a, an agent and a home inspectors, our goals are the same. Um, you know, an agent's looking to, put somebody into a house or sell a house and a home inspector is also trying to help the right person to buy the house. Um, mm-hmm. And if we share our knowledge and work together on that, that success rate can certainly go up. Um, or, you know, sometimes it's not the right house for the person. Um, oh yeah. And, and that has to be discovered too. I've, I've seen people cancel a contract because the inside of the house was great. Simply yeah. they just said, they walked in, they said, this isn't home and they moved on. It took, it took um, you to tell them the house was gray. <laughs> it was, it was, <laughs> no, it was a brand new house. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, this is awesome. I appreciate your time. Um, hit, you know, I love books. Hit me with uh, three books that you would recommend the audience. You can't turn so, around and look at your bookshelf either. Yeah. Uh, how to win friends and influence people is a game changer. Um, we're going through that right now. Hey, see, I, I'm at an unfair advantage. You're facing your bookshelf. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should have done that. Um, yeah, how to win friends and influence people is a game changer. We're going through that with my. Uh, we have a Tuesday night Bible study at our house, and we chose to do like alternate between a book of the Bible and then a book that will be. It's a. Uh, it's called a Young Professionals Group that we have, and so yeah. one book to help our businesses and one book to help with our our faith and, and whatnot, and so we have this good balance of learning and growing. And, and so uh, how to win friends and influence people who moved my cheese would be really good in this, in, in this market. Um, and then something that I really liked um, was man in the mirror. Um, and man in the mirror is by Patrick. Mount, uh, an M. Um, it's a faith based book um, from a Christian author, but he really poses you really good questions. So if you want to think about yourself, you know that, and and really think about how to better your, yourself as um, in your house, in your career, in your life. Uh, he poses really good questions for you to think about. Awesome. So those are the three. I won't. Thank I won't you. Add any more. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find Kevin and the Valley Home Group outside <laughs> of my... just Gledo, Kevin Valley yeah. Home Group? You just you just said my uh, my my my. Uh, what is it? Username? No. Um, what is it called? Handle. 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 There yeah. you go. Yeah, it's, it's Kevin underscore Valle Home Group or Valley Home Group without a Y, um, and that's on every platform. Um, and if simply you type in Valley Home Group and it's Valley without the Y, you'll see everything that that you know pops up for me. But um, yeah, Kevin Kevin underscore V A L L E Home Group is where you'll see a lot of stuff on Instagram and TikTok and all those fun hip places <laughs> you want to you want to give your email address out why why would i do that why would i do something <laughs> like that <I'm> just... <laughs> no you, you it's it's actually the exact same kevin at valleyhomegroup.com so there you go everything is very everything's very simple <laughs> i think that's called branding well done yeah you may you may have had help in that why don't you plug your wife's business too oh yeah and yeah that well that's valley marketing so yeah, if you do Valley Marketing on um, same same way you spell it without the Y, then you'll find her on Instagram as well. Perfect. So, Kevin, yeah, thank anyone, you for anyone your time. that needs any social media management, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say thank you for your time, and I really, as always, appreciate this conversation, and and I'm glad we had the opportunity to record it. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate it, man. It's always a pleasure. Look out for this guy. Thank you for listening to Just Another Real Estate Podcast. For the latest episodes, please subscribe and be sure to follow Dwell Inspect Arizona on Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok.
To contact Dwell Inspect Arizona, call us at 480-867-4599. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, email our team at office at dwellinspectaz.com.